This is the Living Fearless Today podcast, a show that helps men like you and me who are struggling to get unstuck and overcome fear to live confidently and courageously. I'm your host and transformation coach, Mike Forster, helping you create the change you want now. Join me as I interview men who've conquered their challenges and soared to success as they spill their secrets on how they live fearless today. Hello and welcome back, my friend. Uh, this week, I'm joined by um, Simbawi Nibaye uh, Jr. Man, he's a parenting coach, youth mentor. Uh, man has done amazing stuff, and you're going to hear his voice, and you're going to be like, "Yep, I understand why he is behind the mic." So he's got his own podcast. He does video services. He's got music, brand apparel, and uh, he's a founder of Frame of Mind Inc. and Man, I'm super excited to dive into um, his his story of the book that he's recently wrote, written. <laughs> Let's get with the right vernacular, <laughs> right words. <laughs> Speaking is hard today. So, uh, no, I'm excited to get into his story and the book he's written, which was a companion to his wife's book. And uh, so, yeah, I'm excited for this one. We're going to jump on in here. Sambali, how are you doing today, my friend? Oh, I'm good, Mike. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here and to uh, have this conversation with you, man. Uh, speaking of, you know, awesome voices, man, you got an awesome voice yourself. I'm, I'm going to see if I can match that today. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I think you got the uh, the height on me because I'm just like, man, he is smooth. So <laughs> I appreciate it, my friend. Definitely. Well, let's, let's jump into this. Um, if we can, could we start with where things are for you in life today as far as on the business side? What does that look like? Yeah, uh, for me, uh, this business is it's going well. Um, and for anything from, from me doing um, branding with my company, Frame of Mind, Inc., uh, it's an apparel company where we have our own apparel brand of clothing, our online store. It's all you know, positive mindset wear. Uh, it's not just T-shirts. You know, it's apparel in general. So you're talking, you know, wristbands, you know, um, you know, duffel bags, things of that nature that we have. We're going to add more stuff to the store, you know, as we continue on. And uh, that's one thing that, you know, building a brand takes time. And so we've been doing uh, that since 20, since the summer of 2016. Uh, we've been doing that. Uh, and then well, we also have a, a custom side of the company where my wife runs, where we do customization, you know, logo design stuff for other individuals or organizations, uh, profit or nonprofit. You know, we can start from scratch if you have ideas. We can also do take your ideas or your designs, put them on your you know apparel, whether it's pants, socks, whatever you wear, uh, with the exception of maybe underwear. I don't know we can <laughs> we can put it on there. Uh, if you want to know underwear, we can do that. You know, it might might charge a little more, but you know. <laughs> but um, that's the apparel side of it. Um, for the music and video portion of it, uh, I do music uh, music. And video editing uh musically I, I write songs i do uh some producing as well if you're looking at the video portion of this i'm actually in my studio right now which is where i'm at where i do most of my you know music and video production voiceover stuff as well uh from a uh, video perspective again video editing uh i do social media you know advertisements or commercials for individuals or organizations that includes voiceovers if voiceover is needed um and things of that nature uh, I've done a number of things from a video perspective, but music and video kind of ties together. So I kind of, you know, got got to that point of just uh, kind of marrying the two. Uh, music was the first passion and video just kind of came along. And it's just kind of like, hey, there, here's the sister. Let's let's do that, too. You know, um, so no, no pun intended on that. OK, no pun intended. Um, and then we have the uh, the the podcast where I also have my own podcast It's called the Frame of Mining Podcast. I have a co-host who is a very good friend of mine. My wife says he's my best friend, and I guess to a degree he is. Um, we basically took our everyday conversations that we had, and we said we could turn our conversations into a podcast. And so we did that, and we've been doing that since um, about June, I believe, of 2020 when the pandemic started. And um, people have always said, oh, you got such a great voice to be on radio. And I'm like, yeah, I've done voiceovers, and I've done, you know, 
you know, radio stuff. I never was a DJ or a VJ, never gotten to having like my own radio show or being on one. So when podcasting came along, I'm like, oh, I can kind of start there or that could be, you know, the niche I need to get into. And so I've been doing that. Now, this is our third season with the podcast now. <clears throat> it's been doing very well. Excuse me. And uh, we have conversations with industry leaders and their in, in their particular uh, you know niche, niches or niches, however you want to say it. Uh, we have uh, conversations just around looking at life from a different perspective and where it challenges your character and your attitude and uh, just really looking at life uh, in a way that uh, brings about a lot of positivity, more, more positive outcomes in, in, in your life. And then we, uh, some solo work that I do is where I have, of course, my parenting coaching and my youth mentoring that I have. And that's kind of like a one-two combo. I've worked in the education system for over a decade and I've dealt with uh, parents and their and their children for a number of years. I've worked for students between the ages of five and 21 up and up to about college. And uh, just really um, reinforcing family into, into you know, uh, individuals and into mothers and fathers as parents, children who are, you know, in the disciplinarian phases of their lives and uh, all kind of, you know, facets of it. And so that's the the overall majority view of what I do. Uh, and of course, recently author, brand new author with uh, my new book that I wrote. Uh, we'll get into that later, but uh, that's the general overview of uh, Simbawi Nibaye Jr. A very busy man and very passionate. Yes, sir. So what about as far as on the personal side <laughs> of life? What does that look like for you? Ah, uh, personally, well, technically, me and my wife actually just celebrated celebrated 15 years of marriage um, in July, and so we, um, I fast 15 years, I will say as well. That 15 years just kind of flew by. Uh, we've got a middle schooler, and my son who's in middle school, my daughter who's in her last year of elementary school, on her way to middle school. So we're entering the next phase of our lives as far as parenting goes, and so that's uh, a, a, a fun area to be in. I know for some parents that may not be the fun area to be in. For us, it is. We hope it stays that way. <laughs> of course, there's always going to be challenges, but uh, we're in the fun phase where uh, for, fortunately for us, our children have a lot of my wife's temperaments, not my own, which I'm okay with. Uh, my daughter is just like me, so I had to keep an eye on her you know, very closely, but she has a very good head on her shoulders. Uh, she's very smart, very intelligent. My son is as well. Uh, but uh, love being married, love being a parent, uh, love being able to impart into others, love being able to learn from others as well who come before me and then kind of put my own, well, put our own spin on it uh, when we go to, you know, teach others and help others and uh, just be able to enjoy life, you know, the way, you know, Elohim intended it to be and just be able to uh, impact lives and to make a difference and to do our part while we're here. Uh, on this earth for however long we're here for. And for us, it's um, we're looking at have, being here for a long time. Uh, I'm not I'm not in a rush to leave. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we're going to do all that we can that we've been placed in our hands to do to, to, to continue to bring about effective positive change. Perfect, man. And congratulations, dude. 15 years. That is amazing, my friend. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. I tell people all the time, like you can make two to five and in today's age, you're doing great. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, you touched on something in there. You said your daughter has like, you know, kind of, uh, your temperament. How would you describe your temperament, man? What is, what is, uh, what is Simbawi's temperament, you know, entail? Well, for me, I'll even go from, from childhood up to now and just make it really okay. brief. You know, I'm, I'm not, I wasn't an aggressive child, but as I got older, I became more aggressive. When I say aggressive, meaning I kind of took life by the horns a little more and, and began to really get serious about who I was, where I was going, what I wanted to do. Uh, my daughter is very uh, inquisitive. Uh, I was too, but for me, I, I grasped. I was always the youngest child in the group of people. So I was always around uh you know, children who were like maybe like five years older than me, you know, or more. And so I kind of grew up kind of fast. Uh, for me, my daughter, she, she doesn't have that luxury of being around older uh, children, but she has, for me, she, she at times can be sneaky. At the same time, 
she she's not one she she's one that will always want to live by the rules and for me i was that kind of person but i also would bend them but i wouldn't necessarily break them right now of course we all know we've all broken rules before but i didn't have a habit of breaking rules but i did have a habit of bending them to my advantage or to or you know and so my daughter at times will do that but she's very intelligent and she 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 normally tries and and because i know because she's my daughter i know she's like me she might can get that past my wife possibly i'm like i'm like girl now i've been there and done that i'm like no i don't think so but she's uh she's just very and she's very uh strong-willed and she's also actually just strong physically uh, for a girl, I, I've never seen a girl my daughter's age between, you know, kindergarten to fifth grade that has had the strength that she's had. And I'm like, where did she get this strength from? I'm like, my, my wife's like, she's your daughter. Like, <laughs> that's where she gets it from. <laughs> so, uh, but I mean, she's just very uh, intelligent. She uh, has a good head on her shoulders. Uh, she doesn't let people get over on her easily. Uh, has a mind of her own. She, her yes means yes. Her no means no. There is no in between. Uh, we'll see how that goes going into middle school. Hopefully that stays the same way. <laughs> so, uh, but I, I love it. She's, uh, she's my princess and we have two children, boy and a girl. So I got my princess, I got my prince, I got my queen. We're good to go. That's awesome, man. Yeah. And there were things like when I was growing up, I could pull over on my mom, man. It was just like, yeah, I did this and this and this. Uh, not at all, man. I was breaking the rules telling the lies, you know, and my dad just looks at me and goes, I'm not buying it. So so I think there's, you know, we do follow in our footsteps, parent, our parents' footsteps, Mm -hmm. as far as, you know, how we behave and how we think. Um, One of them will get it passed and the other one's just like, nope, you're a clone of me. I see it. So that sounds like that's the same for you. (laughs) Same for me. She's wonderful. She's wonderful. Yeah. I mean, they are, it's like one of those of, uh, you know, you see, see what your children bring to the table and who they are. And I mean, you love them. It's no other choice. Um, so you mentioned a lot of things that you have done and are doing now, when you and I had been talking, you had shared about as far as like, um, one of the challenges that you've gone through is comparing yourself to others. Is that something that you see was like something ingrained early or was that something that came because of like your inquisitiveness as you were going along and you're trying to like, you know, gamify the system or when did that come about? That's something that came along later. Um, I I was always very athletic. I was always, you know, a a very uh, persuasive kind of person where I was able to persuade others to do things, not wrong things, but just I was able to, to persuade people to do things uh, kind of to, you know, do the right thing or to, you know, bring loose people together. Um, and, and life to a degree wasn't necessarily easy for me, but it wasn't hard either. And so when I got into college, um, things started changing for me. You know, I, I, it was, you know, you're going into transi- transitioning from you know, those, those school age years, you know, into being a teenager into now you're, you know, being groomed to be an adult. And, you know, my father, who was a great man that I credit most of who I am today too, because uh, of his teaching and his, his, and his, you know, uh, rearing uh, taught me a lot. You know, I never had to ask my father about certain things in life. He just kind of knew when it was time for us to have those conversations. And um, and so it was a lot that he taught me. But for me, it was um, going from, hey, this is not that hard to, hey, this is now real life. And now you've got to actually experience this. You know, it's not a walk in the park. And so I had, you know, this this life plan mapped out and it wasn't going to be to a T. But I'm like, hey, you know, this could kind of be my life's plan up to like age 35 or something like that. And then once I get to 40, I'm like, it's, it's, it's just going to be a breeze from there. You know, I'm just, I got it all planned out. <laughs> and my life did like a total 360 out of what I had planned out, which was okay for me, but also was very challenging because um, my vision of what I had, I wasn't living up to it. And it be, started becoming to where I started looking at other people 
who were in my eyes were getting ahead of me or and they were I'm like, well, how come so and so was able to do that? And I, I'm not. Or how come this person who's, you know, five, six years younger than me, how, how are they in a place where I'm desiring to be or where I'm trying to go? And so now instead of me being focused on where I am, where I'm going or what, you know, my mission is, I'm focusing on what everybody else is doing. And it became a, a competition or a comparing kind of thing. And I thought the uh, one person that I I, I I heard speak one time, um, I think if any of you out there who know who he is, um, is um, um, Willie Moore Jr. And he was talking one time at a conference I was at in Nashville. He was saying, he was like, don't compare, but compete. And he was saying, in, in doing that, he's like, don't compare yourself to other people and what they're doing. He's like, but compete, you know, we're all in here in life to do whatever it is we were sent here for. He's like, and don't competing means that, hey, I'm just as good, if not better than you. And if I really believe I am, I'm going to do the best I can to do the best I can do to get into that into that realm. But if I'm going to compare, that's going to more than likely, you know, stifle my growth because I'm always focused on what you're doing and not what I should be doing to get where I'm going, wherever that is. And so that kind of stuck with me. And so the, the my overcoming negative thoughts and speaking and manifesting those things became a problem for me because I started looking at myself in a negative light because I was living up to the expectation that I set for myself. And it, and sometimes expectation of others. You know, people were saying, oh, he's like, you're going to do such great things. And I'm like, this doesn't seem so great to me, <laughs> what I'm doing right now. I'm, like, I'm not sure this is where this is going. But, you know, at when you're young and you're and you're coming up and you have this plan, you know, you don't recognize that what you're going through and what you're dealing with at that time is preparing you for where you're going. You have to go through those things or those downtimes and those trials and tribulations and, you know, those tests to prepare you for where you're going. Because if you just if stuff was just given to you all the time, you're likely going to mess it up because you're not prepared for what's being given to you. And so I had to learn those things. Uh, throughout, you know, my early, you know, twenties and even my early thirties to, to understand that this was all a part of my journey, whether I liked it or not. And I had to, you know, figure things out and, and not necessarily figure them out, but understand how to plan, how to throw the plan out, redo it, make adjustments and then keep moving forward. And so that, that became how I initially, uh, began, started, started Frame of Mind Inc. to help others with, you know, their, negative thoughts of overcoming and, and and all that that comes along because our tagline is think and speak and achieve it. And what we think ultimately becomes what we speak and what we speak ultimately becomes what we, we act out. And so we want to make sure that we're thinking positive thoughts, speaking positive things and doing positive deeds. So. Yeah. Agreed. Now you had mentioned like, so competitiveness is good. <clears throat> comparison is like the negative aspect of it let's say i'm in a corporate department right my job is in you know corporate it we'll say how does do the two look different when i'm in a department of let's say eight people we're all doing the same job how can i be competitive and yet not compare how do i walk that line so I'll, I'll, I'll go the basic version, I guess, first and just say, if you're comparing, you're focused on everything that's not getting you to compete. Meaning that if I'm comparing myself to Mike, I'm like, oh, well, Mike's doing this and Mike's doing that. Well, I'm focusing on what Mike's doing, but my, my project's in front of me, but I'm focusing on Mike's project because he's my, he's my competition, but now I'm comparing what I'm doing to his. But what makes this so much better than mine? If if I believe that I'm the person for the job or project, I'm going to do be excellent on my level, do what I need to do on my project, not worry about what Mike's doing. Because if I feel as though everyone in here is a competitor and has and brings something to the table, but I believe I'm the best at doing it. And even if I'm not the best, I can still believe that I am. And that belief can transcend into me actually getting the position because I believe it so much. It, it, it starts to resonate on those who have to make the decision. My belief can resonate onto those who make decisions to say, Hey, you know what? I think this person is the person for the job. 
because my confidence and my belief in myself starts to ooze on everyone else and say, you know what? This person's confidence makes me believe that they can tackle this better. Even though, you know, Mike's project was better, but I'm not sure if Mike has the confidence. I'm not saying Mike's not confident or his, I'm giving you guys an example. Don't yes. think like I'm harping on Mike on his podcast, okay? <laughs> and we got to stop the interview. We got. <laughs> I knew I was going to mess it up. <laughs> no, you're golden, man. But uh, I mean, that that's how you comp- comparing allows you to focus on the thing you should not be focused on. Competing allows you to say, look, I'm focused on the end goal. No matter what someone else is doing, I've got blinders on and I'm not looking left or right. I'm focused on the goal. And that's all that matters to me. So would it be safe to say it's like, where's the majority of my attention being spent? Is it on myself and my work or is it on somebody else's? Like if you and I are in the same department, if I'm paying attention more to what you're doing, that would be unhealthy versus me focusing on what I'm doing and periodically looking up and go, yeah, I'm still okay. Is that kind of a safe? It is. I mean, you can listen, you can always, you know, look left or right, but you don't want to look left or right too far. You know, if you want to put it into like a, a, a sports analogy, mm-hmm. you know, any if a running back or a wide receiver has the ball and they're running, you do want to make sure that no one's coming up behind you to tackle you. You want to kind of look left, look right, but you're looking very quickly and you're looking straight again. You're like, because competition is coming. You want to make sure it doesn't get in front of you. At the same time, what you focus on the most is what you make the biggest. So if your main focus is on comparing to others, that's going to be your biggest issue or problem. That's going to be your biggest thing you focus on. If you're focused on competing, but you're also making sure that the, the competition is not sneaking up on you, doesn't matter what they're doing. Your mindset is, I'm focused on the goal. I know there's competition, but I don't want to focus on the competition. I want to focus on the goal. Mm-hmm. A mentor of mine, he had an acronym for focus, and he said his acronym was fixated on course until successful. Mm-hmm. I'll say it again. Fixated on course until successful. And it's like, no matter what, I'm going for the goal. Keep your eyes on the prize. It's, it's, you know, compare it anything in life, whether it's sports, whether it's, it's just life in general, whether it's business, whether it's, you know, going out to go purchase a new vehicle, like you can put it into everything. You know, you're trying to keep up, keep up with the Joneses. Like why? The Joneses have their own thing. Like you have your thing. You're always trying, well, the Joneses have that. We need to go get that. What makes you, what, how do you know what the Joneses went through to get that? You really want to go through what the Joneses went through to get that? See, that's the thing we don't, we don't take into consideration what did they have to go through to get that and am i willing to go through it to get it now those are questions we don't ask ourselves and I, that's one thing i had to start saying to myself like am i willing to go through what that person went through to get what they have and every, all of us are 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 here and our, our our journeys are mapped out for us it's for us to now go through that map and there's there's plenty of of pathways to take but the destination is always the same. It never changes. You just had different pathways. You're like, oh, am I going to go left, right, or down the middle? You choose. And whatever path you choose, that's the one you're on. You can't, and you can't say, oh, man, I went down the wrong path. You might have. Or you went down the right one. It just didn't, wasn't, just didn't happen the way you thought it was going to happen. Absolutely. And the other thing is, like, you know, you can be looking at my life, and I'm putting on a persona. Like, I'm putting on a... a a shield, so to speak, but there could be strife and other things that I'm paying for those mistakes. And if we're not seeing that in each other's lives, it's one of those, do you want to sign up for that trip? (laughs) Just like you're talking about, it's like, they could still be on that roller coaster and we just don't know it because it's not being shared. I mean, most of us aren't sharing the mistakes as openly as we do our, uh, our successes, so to speak, you know, what, what we want to be seen for. Yeah. So, um, now you had talked about like, as far as what you think, um, becomes what you speak and then what you do. So if I'm at work or even at home in my marriage or my parenting, and I'm seeing things like, oh my gosh, Zimbabwe, my, my life is just falling, falling to pieces. I'm a pathetic husband or just poor dad. Mm -hmm. How would you come and you know, 
direct me to change that to get those things on a different course let's just say as far as you know my relationship with my wife is really rough mm. and so i'm doubting you know my worth as a husband where would i start within something like that if it's the whole you know think it <clears throat> speak it do it where would you instruct me to start i would say that first of all it's not a bad thing to talk about it but the 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 negativity or the or the bad thing that comes with it is when you start to dwell on it because talking about it helps you to realize okay this is a quote unquote reality i need to face this i need to deal with this you know talk about it get it out because just a, a side note especially for us as men we suppress stuff so much that it eventually starts to fester and eventually it's like a soda can or soda bottle. You shake that thing up. When you open it, it's coming out on anything and anybody that's in its way, period. And as men, like we keep up stuff suppressed cause we're taught, you know, you know, just suck it up, deal with it. You know, be a man about it. Well, what, what, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, be a man about it. I'm a human being. Yes, I'm a man, but I also have feelings and emotions that I have too. I may express them differently than a woman does, but in general, talk about it because you need to. You need to get that out. And once we've talked about it, all right, how can we fix it? How can we make it better? And if you're dealing with that mindset of negativity and you're coming down on yourself, you know, we need to kind of, you know, slowly transform that mind because depending on how far down the rabbit hole you are, we just can't go down there and just yank you out. You know, we have to gradually, if we yank you out, too fast, you're too deep. We might yank some stuff off <laughs> that you need, <laughs> you know, a limb or something. You don't want to do that, you know? So we have to yank you out slowly, you know, depending on how far you are. And so it's a matter of, let's talk about it. Get all the stuff out you need to say. Just get it out, you know? And now let's let's go back and let's go piece by piece and talk about each one and see how we can deal with coming up with some solutions to start transforming your mind about this. Because, and one thing that we fail to do is that, you know, we, you've heard it said a lot that, you know, talking about it is like the first step. You know, you got to talk about it. And when I say think it, speak it, achieve it. Yes. Everything that we speak starts with a thought. You know, we, we, whether you see something or someone says something to you, it's a thought that comes to your head. Eventually, if you let that, you dwell on that thought too long, you're eventually going to start talking about it or speaking about it. And if you dwell on it too long, you start actually manifesting those things in your life because our subconscious mind doesn't know right from wrong. Our conscious mind does. Our subconscious mind says, oh, you're a bad father? Okay, let's create that. That's what it does. Oh, you're, 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 a, bad, you're a bad husband. Okay, let's create that. It just creates what you speak. Doesn't know right from wrong. And so we have to be mindful of what we do with our with our conscious mind, but even more our subconscious mind, because that's where our thoughts become real, whether right or wrong. And so we have to learn how to transform those things by talking about them and then finding solutions that will gradually turn, depending on, again, how far down the rabbit hole you are. And again, there's nothing wrong with, with talking about them, but don't dwell on it because it will keep you there for however long you choose to be there, whether you receive help or not, because once you get to a place where you're you're kind of you're when you get to where your back's against the wall, it's really the only time that 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 most of us will decide, okay, I need help. But let let's let's not have to get to that point in our lives all the time. Where now, because then there's a lot of damage control that needs to be done once you get to your back's against the wall, you have nothing else to do, you know. And life happens that way. Sometimes you have to have that happen to you because you're just straight up hard-headed and you don't want to listen to anybody or you don't want to ask for help. Asking for help is something that we all should do. Even though we're grown-ups and we're, you know, no matter how old you are, you need to ask for help when you need it. You know, that's something. And one thing I'll say is that as adults, there is still a quote-unquote child within us that needs to ask for help, a child within us that needs to play, a child within us that needs, you know, for someone to, you know, 
to to a a small degree, you know, stroke your ego a little bit, but not necessarily, you know, you know, make you feel like you're more than who or what you are, because that can also build confidence in someone as well, you know. And so we need to make sure that we don't forget the things of our childhood and and bring some of those things into our adulthood. Not all, because you know, when you become an adult, you got to put away those childish things. But there's it's like it's like the meat in the the, the meat in the milk. You know, just because you were a baby and you had milk, is that now I'm an adult, I need meat. No, the milk's still part of the meal. Just now you're able to take on meat and milk. A little bit of a transition there, you know, in the process, not staying stagnant, but continuing to grow and remember what you what you need in the big picture. Exactly. Um, so could we go back to um you and I had had talked about as far as like fear of failure being something that you overcame like what did that look like and how did you get through it so that that goes back to you know me going from my transitioning from high school and college you know there was this you know things they weren't hard but they weren't necessarily easy either it was kind of like a happy medium where it's just like you know i'm just kind of getting through life you know doing what i do using you know my charisma and my character and whatnot and then again, get to college and things just kind of, you know, get a little harder and, you know, life starts to happen. And for me, I was a big perfectionist. Um, I was always about, man, I, I got to do this right. You know, people are watching me. You know, I got to make sure I'm, I'm, I'm getting this right. I got to be perfect. And I started getting to the point where I was a perfectionist. And if something went wrong, like the whole thing was wrong. Like, no, no, it's all wrong. It's all wrong. And it got to the point to where I was so hard on myself being a perfectionist that I was afraid of failing. Because to me, failure meant that, you know, you didn't get it right. You know, failure meant that, you know, it's, well, someone else is going to beat you out. Or, you know, failure meant that you didn't live up to the hype. It was all the negativity of failure. I didn't necessarily recognize that failure was the thing that helped you become a winner. And I'm talking in general, not without going into deep conversation, but I was afraid of failure because to me at that point in my, in my life, and, and literally I would say, gosh, like seven years ago, you know, it was just like failure was to me, failure was not an option. Like I cannot fail at doing X, Y, and Z. Like I have to succeed at this. And it came to the point where I became afraid of failure because failure to me was you know, kind of like, like you, you were a loser, you know, you weren't a winner, you were a loser. And and when you look at other people's lives, that goes back to comparing. I'm comparing myself to other people. And now I'm like, well, I got to get where they are, or I got to get here and I got to, I got to do this and I got to work harder and I got to train harder and I got to do this and I got to get eight hours of sleep and yada, yada, yada. And the list goes on and on and on. And then you start doing things that you think or believe you should do to get where people, certain people are. And it's like, well, that's not your path. Like you have to wait for your time to come. Mm-hmm. And right now you're trying to be like so-and-so, but I created you to you, you to be you, not to be them. And so failure just became like a fear of mine. Like I was afraid to fail. And then the the failure became bigger when I got married, because now I have a wife who was also depending on me. And my wife has a job. She has a career. She's a teacher, an amazing teacher, 18 years of teaching. She's a leader in her school. She does an amazing job of what she does. And my thing was, okay, look, I'm the head of the household. I got to be the provider. I got to do this. I got to do that. And immediately I'm putting all this pressure on myself. And she didn't need that. She She just needed me to be her husband who was going to, you know, be there, you know, not back down, do what needs to be done, whatever that that is looked like to her. And I put all this pressure on myself. And then when things weren't working out the way I would have liked them to, that fear of failure, it it crept in even harder because now I've got someone else depending on me and I have to make sure I make things right. Then we had children and then I did it again. And now I've got three people depending on me and two of them need me all the time <laughs> because they're children, they're infants, they're babies, they're toddlers, whatever. 
And it's just because I just I just kept putting pressure on myself. It was nobody else but me. I kept putting pressure on myself. And to the point where I had to get on the phone and talk to my father, I'm like, what am I doing wrong? And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, why is it that I can't get over the hump? Why is it that I can't do X, Y, Z? He's like, you're putting too much pressure on yourself, son. He's like, and then one thing he said, don't let my mistakes be your mistakes. He's like, my mistakes that I made were to help you learn not to make those. He said, but the pressure you're putting on yourself, you're putting yourself down the path of the mistakes that I made. It's like, don't do that. And so he had to reassure me that you are enough. Like you have what you need. Use what you have. It's like, take your time. It's like, you're young. It's like, take your time. That things will happen in time. And for me, it was a matter of looking at like, you know, the generation that came behind me. And there's certain people that you look at, you're like, I don't want to end up like, you know, this certain group of people when I turn 60, 70 years old. Like, I don't want to be doing what they're doing. I want to be like set, ready to go. And so I'm like, I got to, I got to go, 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 go and get this done. Not realizing that, take your time through it. Like things will happen when you are ready for it to happen, not just because you want it to happen. And so I had to start embracing failure because I had to realize that that was a part of my journey. And that failure prepares you for the win because you have, listen, let's take a sports analogy. Michael Jordan. If Michael Jordan hadn't failed, Year in and year out, as as a player, now it's, it's a team sport. It's a team sport, but he was the guy on his team. If he hadn't failed against the Celtics and the Pistons year in and year out, he wouldn't be the Michael Jordan that we all know him to be today. Yeah. And the thing about Michael Jordan was he didn't realize he had to get in the weight room and put on some muscle. And if everyone, anyone's seen the Last Dance with Michael Jordan. He said, if you have it, I suggest you go see it. It's a great documentary. It's a 10-part documentary. You got to go see it. But he said, I was being, pain was being inflicted on me. And he said, I was tired of being the guy that got pain inflicted on. I wanted to now inflict pain on my opponent. He got in the weight room and he started raising his level of, of physical intensity, and not including his play. On top of that, he had to start trusting his teammates. He had to start learning it's not Jordan scoring 60 points a night. It's us as a team doing this together along with the skill set you have. And once that happened, the Bulls became unstoppable. Like they actually would have won, in my own opinion, they would have won eight championships in a row if he hadn't retired. That's just my opinion. And so I had to realize that this is a part of my journey. Failing is an option, but it's not meant to happen for the remainder of your life. It happens for a season, happens for, you know, uh, a a point in time. And so I had to learn to embrace failure and not be afraid and fearful of it. Yeah. I think when we try and avoid failure, we play small and we miss those opportunities to learn and slow the process, slow the movement down because we're trying to avoid something that doesn't exist. It's not that we're walking through a minefield in in life. We're creating it in our head. And so that was very much what I did. It was like, play small, play safe, don't fail, doesn't make you a failure. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh man, it it's a whole circus. It's like once you get out there and you play and you do your best, like you talked about earlier, you know, doing your best and and being competitive. Um Man, the world just changes and opens up, mm. and uh, it's so different. Oh, well, yeah. As we're uh, getting to the end of our time here, I wanted to come back around to the book you just wrote that was a companion to your wife's book. Would mm. you um, share what the book is and kind of give us some background on <clears throat> how you came about writing the book? Because I think that's important to be understood. Yeah, so briefly, just the history of it. So in um, 2009, I believe it was, um, my wife and I, we experienced a miscarriage. Um, And so uh, my wife, uh, and I'm making a long story short, she decided to um, write about her experience during this miscarriage. And so in 2015, uh, she released a book called Letting Go of Baby. 
And it was basically her journey through the miscarriage. It's our journey, but her her journey from her personal perspective of us having a miscarriage. And um, she wrote this book, came out. And then 2017, her and her best friend, who's a counselor, wrote the follow-up called um, What Next? A Guide to Dealing with Grief After Loss. And it talks about the five stages of grief in that book. And so for me, uh, the first um, spark of inspiration that I got to write my book was they did a um, like a workshop in New York um, on both the books. And out of about 20 women that showed up, there was one male that showed up. And I wasn't there. They told me after they got back, this one male showed up. Not, it wasn't with his wife. It was just him. And I said, wow, that's one guy. And they said he wanted, he wanted to come and see what, what, was, what it was all about. You know, he said he had never seen or experienced this with other men. But he said the women always seem to have community around this and all that, as rightfully they should, because they're the carriers and all that. There's a very special connection between a child and a mother. Very special that only a child and mother would ever have. And that was like the first spark of inspiration. The And I started actually writing my book in 2017. Got about halfway through it, and then life happened, and things came, and it kind of got put in the shelf. Well, a year ago, uh, friends of ours <clears throat> that we knew, excuse me, um, had a miscarriage of their own, and we have had a conversation with them, and in talking with the husband, um, it just sparked me to to go ahead and finish the book. It was like Elohim was like, you know what, it's time to finish the book, and I literally went from working on the book. You know, a, you know, a couple of days a week or a couple of hours a week to maybe, you know, three days a week. And then it became every day until the book was done. And as I'm writing it, mind you, I was halfway done in 2017. This is now 2021 going in 2022. So it's been, I think I, about a year and a half, about you know, 2018, halfway through 2018, I was like halfway done. So now almost three to four years have passed. And now I'm finishing the book. And as I'm finishing the book, with the aside from grammar and everything and all that, like everything just became seamless. Like as I'm writing it, like it's like I'm actually sitting in front of the screen watching the movie of this thing as I'm writing. And I'm like, where's this all coming from? It's like, it's just so seamless. And for me, it felt like, you know, I had lost time with the book, but it feels like now that the book is now out and it's done, it feels like it's it's right in time because I'm I'm now constantly running into people, particularly men both men and women, but particularly men who have dealt with this. And they're like, man, like, dude, I wish this book would have came out when I dealt with this, you know, 20 years ago, you know, or 10 years ago or or last year. And I'm like, wow, like there are men out there who just haven't dealt with this like at all. And so it, that sparked me to write Letting Go of Baby 2. And those of you who are getting the video portion, you can see this is the book here, Letting Go of Baby 2, from My Father's Heart. Um, and then, of course, my wife's book that she wrote, Letting Go of Baby. Her, the first the book that sparked it, and then her follow up, uh, "What's Next: A Guide to Healing, to Dealing with Grief After a Loss." Um, and so, for me, my my hope is that you know men will begin to deal with, heal from, and be free of the circumstance of dealing with baby loss because we tend to forget that not only did the mother lose a child, but the father did too. Mm-hmm. You know, and we don't talk about this because again, we're taught to just you know suck it up you know, and just be a man about it. But again, this is, you know, stuff that we need to start talking about because, you know, in in our world today, we see that there's a lot um, that us as men have to deal with as far as our manhood and as far as like, you know, what we see in ourselves or how we deal with things. And so um, it was just for me, it was healing for me to write the book because, uh, I've always said, you know, we need to you know, seek out help if we need it. And for me, I didn't necessarily seek out help, but someone sought me out, you know, and it, it helped me just to see things a little differently. Not at the time, because at the time, you know, you're dealing with it, you're going through it, and you don't want to hear what anyone really has to say. Though you know what they're saying is right, but you're you're so in your feelings and your emotions, like you just you're just there in those feelings and emotions at that time. And as men, a lot of times, we don't know how to deal with them. We just, you know, we don't know how to have a sensitive or even vulnerable side to be able to deal with them amongst other men, you know, and especially if you don't have that kind of circle of, of, of brotherhood 
that can say, hey, you know, let's talk about this. Let's deal with this, you know, be in your feelings and your emotions. But then after a while, help you to start coming out of that and not let you stay there and wallow in it, you know, and let it be something that, that tears you apart. And so that's what helped me, sparked me to write the book. Um, I just, um, and, and here's the thing too, that, you know, people can also not just buy just, or not buy, but get my book. You know, I, I like to not be the salesman all the time, but you don't have to just get my book. Uh, you can actually get all three books in the series um, together if you'd like to. So um, you can get my book and my wife's two books in a series. They're good for individual reading. They're good for couples to read together where you all can you know, read and talk about it or in groups. Um, I highly encourage, you know, uh, for women to read, you know, my book to get an understanding of what us as men deal with when it comes to this. And then for men to read my wife's book to understand what women deal with outside of what we normally see, because there's so much more underneath the, what we see on the outward, you know, outward appearance that uh, you get to see like really some some deep emotional, um, spiritual, physical, you know, um, emotions and feelings that, that that they deal with. And not to mention that it t- also takes a toll on their body. You know, this is a whole nother, you know, hurt a whole nother uh stratosphere of 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 even body transformation you know for a woman and so us as men will never understand that because we will never have children (laughs) come out of our bodies you know and so this it gives you a very my book is an open book to me and my feelings and my emotions the questions that i ask the inadequacies i dealt with the guilt i dealt with the shame and blame that i dealt with um and just a matter of me just questioning you know, why did this happen to us? And then questioning myself as a, as a man, as a husband, and as a, a hoping soon to be father. I'm glad you said about, you know, reading each other's books, because I was going to ask you, you know, in the <clears> midst <throat> of it, are you seeing like people really converse about it to understand, you know, how the other experiences it? I think there's so much just taboo and emotions wrapped up in it that I wouldn't assume there's like a closure conversation for the husband and wife. Is is that the case outside of, you know, being able to grab a book and, and understand each other's perspective? I think it's important, too, because, you know, this is your life partner. And when you're married, you know, you're you're one. And even though as men and women, we deal with our emotions and feelings differently we all have the same feelings and emotions. Like we're all human beings, you know, and we, the creator gave them to us. And so we all deal with them. But the thing is, is to deal with them in a healthy and positive way. And in, in this instance, for me, um, it, it was hard for me to, to see my wife hurting and in pain emotionally uh, and sometimes physically, because as men, we're created to conquer. Like we're conquerors, you know, we're providers, we're protectors. And for me to see my wife hurting and to do whatever it is that I could to help her, there was no possible way within my power I could fix what she was dealing with. I couldn't fix it. And that made me feel inadequate. I'm like, I'm a man. Like, I should be able to fix this. When like, but I, I couldn't. And so for, for, for to have those conversations are going to be great because you don't want that circumstance in your life to tear you apart, tear your marriage apart. Because you refuse to talk about it, you refuse to acknowledge it, you refuse to deal with it. Um, I give this example other times. If anyone's ever seen uh, Tyler Perry's movie "Why Did I Get Married" or "Why Did I Get Married Too," the Janet Jackson's character and Malik Yoba's character, they are husband and wife, and they have this this persona, as you said, of this great marriage in which they do, but it's slowly falling apart because they lost their child to a car accident. And Jenna Jackson's character, she she blames herself for it. Where Malik Yoba's character, he acknowledges it. You know, he kind of deals with it. And it's reality that happened. But Jenna Jackson's character doesn't. It's as if she doesn't want to deal with it. She doesn't want to acknowledge it. She wrote this great book that's now becoming a bestseller and all that stuff. And ultimately, it tears their marriage apart because they're not communicating about it. They're not talking about it. They're not dealing with it. And on top of that, if need be, they're not getting any help with it. And so you don't want that to be something that tears your marriage apart or tears your relationship apart 
and, and you're not being able to to deal with it together, heal from it together, and then be free from it together. And so my hope is for for both the mother and the father to heal, but particularly the fathers, because um, I, I don't the, we don't have community around this. We don't ha- talk about this. And for me, it just it it was a it was healing for me to write the book. And then the the feedback I've gotten from so many men who have read the book, including today, of someone who texted me that I man, I just read your book, and like, man, it was just it was so great for me. And he's like, you know, even that men who don't deal with baby loss, it's like it gives you an inside look to how we should deal with our feelings and emotions as men to help us to be able to heal from whatever circumstance that we're dealing with in life. And so um, that that's that's my hope that that men will get out of it. Very cool. Yeah, I appreciate you writing it and sharing about it the way you are. Well, if you would, how can people get in touch with you outside of this podcast? How can they connect? So uh, you can connect with me on my website, Simbawi.com. That's T-S-O-M-B-A-W-I. And I'm sure Mike will have that on the notes. So you don't have to write that down right now. (laughs) (laughs) Especially not if you're driving, but exactly in the show notes. (laughs) Exactly. But uh, Simbawi.com, you can also purchase the books there as well. Simbawi.com, literally, it's right on the homepage. You can just scroll down and click to either buy the book individually or buy the series. I'm also on social media, on Facebook and Twitter. Um, uh, My username is at TKBillionaire. Instagram is the same thing as at TK.Billionaire. And then LinkedIn, just under my name, I'm on there. I tell everybody there's only three of us in the world. It's my father, myself, and my son, the only people who are named Simbawi in the world. So if anyone else claims to have the name Simbawi, they are a liar, and the truth (laughs) is not in them, okay? And as far as internet goes, I'm the only one out there on the internet. My son's too young to be on it, and my father wants nothing to do with it. So (laughs) I'm the only one on the internet. So that's it. Uh, Sambawi, thank you so very much for joining me today, man. Absolutely loved our conversation. Appreciate it, my friend. Thank you. And uh, I would love to come back sometime and uh, talk again about whatever it is Mike wants to talk about. (laughs) Sounds good, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much, my friend, for joining me on another episode. If you found the information within the show helpful, please leave a review on the platform you're listening to helps raise the show's visibility so other men can join us in breaking free. See you on the next episode and remember to continue putting yourself out there. Have a great one.